All right, welcome back to uh, Inappropriate Earl. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We've got breaking news coming in off the wire. This just being handed to me off the Skakel news desk for Attention LA Comics. Attention LA Comics. Rumors are out there in the stratosphere of the internet that there might be a job opening of talent coordinator, not at the comedy store, not at the improv, not at the Laugh Factory, not at the Ice House, not at Hermosa Magic Club. You'll never get booked there anyway, so don't worry about that place. Uh, but Flappers, uh, there's uh, rumors of a shake up there. Uh, who would have thought they wouldn't have a solid corporate structure there? Uh, so all you phony, fake bastards who don't get stage time anywhere else and you want to now be in a position of power to uh, book your unfunny friends and uh, palm favors. Uh, just send your uh, resume over to uh, Dave and Barbara. Well, you uh, have to have five people bring your resume over right, to them. And right. And maybe they'll consider you. And ten people type it out for you. <laughs> and uh, maybe you can be the bo new booker at Flappers uh, and run the Flappers University. And you get to pick the menu items for the week, too. Right. Which is a nice perk. Makes the... Uh, most comedy club menus seem like uh, Chasen's on Doheny. Uh, that's for you old school people. Now, you may have heard another voice in the background. Uh, let me get to uh, uh, this guest. He is uh, hes really a jack-of-all-trades in the L.A. comedy scene. He uh, works at the comedy store. He's one of the elite roasters of Roast Battle. You saw him on the road to Roast Battle. Uh, he does the... Periscope uh, for the roast battle when he's not roasting, uh, and uh, one of the great young rising stars of the LA comedy scene, and was fired from uh, Flappers' uh, hosting duties. So we're we're gonna get into that. Oh boy! I think uh, to get fired from Flappers is like uh, that's saying something. That's like getting kicked out of Sandusky's basement for being too young. Um, the great. Jay Light. What's up? Hello, inappropriate Earl listeners. That's about seven of them. So uh, that's all I need. Well, you know, uh, the, the the podcast, uh, the numbers aren't where I would like them to be. But hey, welcome to Hollywood. Um, you know, this is uh, basically turned into the roast battle podcast. Yeah, you've had a lot of roast battle people on lately. You're on a you're on quite a hot streak there. Well, um, it's. A show that is so massive and so uh, interesting and intriguing, I feel that it needs multiple podcasts. Of course, you've got the one on verbal violence. Uh, you know, you know the plugs to do for that. Is it? Oh yeah. Where is? Where can people find the the uh, official roast battle podcast? The official roast battle podcast is on verbalviolence.tv. It's also distributed on the Death Squad Network. So. Uh, that squad's releases are like a week or two behind the verbalviolence.tv releases, but it's all there. Uh, verbalviolence.tv is also home of the Roast Report and uh, the official rankings for the Roast Battle here in L.A., soon to be expanding to uh, some other cities. The rankings? Uh, we're hopefully going to get some, maybe not full rankings the way we do in L.A. That'll probably have to be outsourced to people from those cities. But we're going to get some, uh, we're, we're in the process of gathering some intel on some of the other cities that have roast battle style shows. Uh, going to do some interviews and releasing some of that stuff on the website real soon. We got a, we got a quite a little, uh, little online magazine type empire we're starting over there. I mean, Tony Bartoloni's, uh 
article, a recap of this Tuesday night's uh, uh, festivities, might have been the most, uh, you know, uh, involved article I've ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know uh, how much time he spent on this, but it was uh, expansive to say the least. Yeah, he went really in depth. And it was a very long show this uh, Tuesday night. Uh, six undercards, one main event. Um, you almost had seven undercards, and then someone went to the hospital. Barbara Gray? Yep. What happened she to Barbara? She got bit by a cat, from what I understand. I mean, it's roast battle's not uh, for the meek of heart. Uh, you know, we've had people get hit by a drunk driver. Yep. We've had uh, Guam Felix almost die before his battle. Yeah. A kidney failure. Um, and now Barbara Gray, who's, uh, she doesn't roast as much as, uh, I'd like her to, but, uh, she's really funny. Yeah, she should roast. The only other time I can remember her roasting is her and Ashley Barnhill, which was, that was a classic battle. I loved that battle. It was a night Chappelle was there. Me and Frank, I think were roasting that night as well. And I don't recall Barbara doing that well. Uh, if my memory serves me, she had one really memorable joke. Uh, you look like you know exactly how many calories a hand job burns, <laughs> which is a great. I, that was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, that that was a long time ago. That was back practically in roast battles infancy. I think that's when I was the house racist by myself. Yeah, um, and really digging deep. Uh, that was pre Periscope. Yeah, I believe. We did not have Periscope in those days. I was still, I was filming stuff, but I was just filming from the back of the room on my phone. I was filming vertically. That's how, that's how pre, uh, pre people watching it, the show was. Now, what got you into roast battle? Like you, cause you're a comic first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then did you just go, I want to do this because why? Basically Frank Castillo, uh, was my Sherpa into roast battle. He, uh, I was working at Flappers at the time as a as the as their ticket booth manager. Well, that uh, must have been an easy gig. It was pretty. It was pretty easy. Uh, I I I uh, definitely enjoyed parts of that job, uh, and the ease of it was really good. But anyway, so Frank would come into the mics there, and Frank and I had started to become buddies. And he told me, uh, and, you know, I'd always been I'd been hanging out at the store for potluck, and I'd always wanted to be a part of the what was going on at the comedy store. And he told me that I should start coming by on Tuesdays. They were, he was like, we're doing this new open mic, but also there's this thing where people like are roasting each other. And we call it like the roast battle. And they're doing it in the middle of the show. And I was like, all right. And so I went by, I got off on a Tuesday night and I went over to check out the bank. I did not get on. And I was like, hey, man, I think I'm going to go. And Frank was like, no, you got to stay for the roast battle. It's, it's best. It's the best. It's the best part of the whole thing. And I was like, all right. So I hung out. And uh, roasting that night was Hormoz Rashidi and Pete C, Pete Quinacion. And that was an amazing battle. Uh, And after that, I was hooked. I made sure I had off on Tuesdays so I could go hang out at the mic. And then eventually Frank uh, was DJing at the time. and And he and Moses had been talking about they wanted someone to start filming the battles just to have like a record of it. So I started doing that. They had this other guy, Dean, who was doing an all right job, uh, but he was kind of flaky from what I understand. So I was there every week. And so I was uh, the archivist for a while. And then I started battling about probably like six months after I started hanging out at Roast Battle. Who was your first battle? Jonathan Tumblin. 
And he and I, here's a, here's a fun fact for me, for my roast battle stats. I've never done a battle until, uh, the tournament that happened last year. I've never done a battle that was less than three rounds. That's crazy. All they, even that undercard that I did with him was still a three round undercard. Three rounds is a lot, man. Mm -hmm. I don't think people really realize to get nine. And at that time, I think three rounds was like 12 jokes. Yeah, I had I prepped 15 jokes. And I remember it was like, yeah, we did 12. I had a comeback in there. Uh, and it was crazy. Like, I had never done anything like that before. But I'd seen enough of my friends do it at that point that I was like, you know what? I should I should give this a shot. I feel like I can write a roast joke. And I had never thought that it was going to be my thing at all. And then it just kind of, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a writer showcase. And I, I feel like I've proven that I can write well before then. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot and, and stretch my legs a bit. And how many battles you've got like over 10 battles. Yeah. I've done 16 battles at this point. (laughs) That's a lot of battles. I've got two more scheduled before the year's over. And who, who are they? Battling Trey Stewart in October. We're doing a undercard, a special undercard, uh, uh, because he hasn't battled in a long time, but I have always wanted to battle Trey, and he's, he's challenged right. me. And then I'm doing a main event against Jeff Suing in November. Jeff's great. Yeah, and he challenged me right before I was prepping for my title fight with Alex Hooper at the time, and I'd already uh, heard word from Pat Barker because he was he was wanting to challenge. He wanted a title shot, so he was he said, whoever wins between you and Alex, I'm going to battle them. And Jeff challenged me, and I was like, well, I got to wait to see what happens with this Alex battle, uh, but I would love to battle you either way. We just got to figure out the timing based on that. And then so literally the like the day uh, after I lost to Alex, I went to talk to Moses. I was like, hey, man, when can, uh, Jeff so- <laughs> when can Jeff Suing and I battle? So we got a date for November, and, uh, and the rest is history, or it will be future history, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, my... Next battle is the winner of Hooper and Barker. Oh, yeah. You're going to take your shot of the L.A. title. I mean, you know, but that's not going to be for like probably till January. Yeah. I don't think that they're battling until the beginning of November, if memory serves. So, uh, you know, and I don't really want to, uh, you know, risk, uh, you know, it's being ranked number two. is like the worst. uh to me, it's the worst ranking because it's like there's no one that makes sense other than number one. Mm-hmm. I, it, now, some people don't care about their rankings. You know, like, I'll just take on number eight in the meantime. But, you know, I want I want the belt. Oh, you can get that belt. Well, they're both great. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Pat, I mean, he's he's does it with, like, the swagger of a home run hitter, and, and Hooper's, like, he knows what's coming, you know, the dry skin and all that stuff, so he's actually harder to write than you would imagine for. Yeah, that was the thing that surprised me the most about battling Alex Hooper, was that he, he's hard, uh, he's not hard to write for, because, uh, and, you know, I've written for a lot of people who have very obvious angles. When I battled Keith, obviously there's, you know, he can hit that he's bisexual, you can hit that he is fat, you can hit... That his mom was a drug addict. There's a lot of angles. Um, I but the thing that I did not expect about Alex was how hard he would have to be. Uh, how hard it was going to be for me to battle him energy wise. He is just he he mad dogs you in the in the ring. He is frightening, and I think that comes from a lifetime of being bullied. 
uh, growing up. So he just has this, he just has like this dead in the eyes, fierce, just like, it's something else. Like I'm, I'm good buddies with Alex, but Alex is, uh, very much not the performer. And then, and the guy you see on, uh, when he's doing a regular standup set, his energy, you know, he's got a lot of energy. He's very high energy comic to begin with, but his energy shifts to some kind of like, like otherworldly, like all, it's kind of like he's possessed almost, which is I think is amazing for uh, for being a roast battle contender. Uh, it's definitely he puts his own unique spin on what he does on stage in the roast battle ring, and it, it obviously it's worked out well for him. He's still got the number one ranking, and he's uh, he's one of the top battlers in the city, bar none. Yeah, no, he's he's amazing. Barker's amazing. I mean, mm. really, the top ten is like. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, how good! It really the top twenty is. is top uh, twenty is an amazing top twenty, I mean, and we've got a lot of we've got some great newcomers in there now too, which is cool. There's a lot of old guard type people in there, um, you know, like Frank's still in the top twenty. I'm in the top twenty, uh, top ten. I'm hanging on. I'm got I got ten right now. Uh, we've got uh, for a while we had like Stuart Thompson was in the top twenty, but now we've got some new hot fire like. Uh, like Anna Valenzuela, Dan Nolan, Toby Mercianu's up he's in. Uh, tough, he's man. in. Um, he's number six right now. And he Wells, could very easily crack into the top five in the next couple months. Yeah, I mean, he's just so. Uh, I would struggle with him. Like he's like, he's just there, mm-hmm. and like, like there's no really obvious physical flaws, and like, you know, he's very hard to write for, and especially a three rounder. Oh yeah, well we saw that with David Deary this week. Which Dave Derry is like an amazing uh, battler, but he just, uh, you know, they're just the jokes weren't uh, quite up to snuff. What was it like? Because you've always been in the hater side and the battler side, so you this was your first week ever judging. So what was that like for you? What was how did you feel like you had to change your approach to the way you look at the show at all? Oh, absolutely! I enjoy judging uh, because I respect the art. Uh, you know, I've done it. At a relatively high level. Relatively roasting. high. You've been third, third place international roast battle champion over here. I mean, you know. Uh, That's pretty high. But, but so I get how hard it is and the work that goes into it. Uh, so I c- try to concentrate a little less on being funny and actually giving out, you know, decent advice. Or not advice, but, uh, you know, uh, critiques of what I was seeing. Uh now, I judged two weeks earlier in New York, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, one guy wanted to fight me. He got so, like, pissed off. Uh, he was, like, straight reading from his phone, and he was, like, trying to deny that he was doing it. And I'm like, oh, dude, geez. it's like, and I'm like, well, I got to give it to the other guy because you were kind of reading. He's like, well, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, But he meant it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so, it, it, and, you know, the great Gary Cannon, uh, who I love, I know he... Caused a lot of controversy this week. He's a little long-winded, but he was ho- he was funny. I didn't mind what he was doing because uh, I, I like yeah he was funny. If he was bombing, uh, I don't. I think everyone would have been ah oh, dude, you know. Because sometimes like certain members of the cast of Undateable would uh, oh boy would uh, do what Gary was doing, but it might not have been plain, you know. And that's Gary's character is kind of like doing the Brody thing of bragging, 
you know, I, I was on the Warner Brothers today, <laughs> you know, so I found it funny. I know the crowd. You know, when Lou Verum shouts out, you're not funny. Uh, that's really. Uh, it's that's not. Uh, oh, boy. That's uh, that's when, you know, it's time to like go rein it in a bit. Oh, yeah. But I enjoyed it. And Steve Burns amazing. So I'd like to do it again. I mean, I'm sure people in the room was like, why is there old judging? Uh, you know, he's not that, you know, whatever. I was excited to see you judge. I really like doing it because it's like, uh, it, and you get to, I really appreciate Moses much more. I mean, I've always appreciated him, but to see how, from that angle, how he tosses the ball to the the hater, uh, how he gets the judges involved, the wave involved. Uh, and I appreciate the job you do because, you know, I get to see you, you know, uh, you know, your point of view every week because I'm like right behind you, but to mm -hmm. see how you have to like, scramble that you know you have to guess you and coach t probably have the best timing in the room because like what's like you have to guess who's going to talk next the camera has to be on them before they talk mm -hmm. is that i mean is it nerve-wracking for you you know being in charge of the camera there are times when uh when i was first starting out to do periscoping that it was very uh it was because the show's so, so unpredictable but there are, as I've noticed over time, because I'm there every week, the only time I've missed roast battle in L.A. is when I have been out of town. Uh, and even then, I still try and watch it on Periscope. But the only times I'm not in the room at this point since the show, not quite since the show started, but probably like a good like four or five months after the show started, have been, yeah, when I've been gone. So now I'm starting to pick up on like there's definite rhythms that the show takes. Uh, obviously you've got some structure to it with like the undercards are now doing a set amount of jokes. The main event does a set amount of jokes, probably going to throw to the judges, uh, probably going to throw to the haters, the wave. You can always tell you can usually, now I'm starting to get better at guessing when the wave is going to come out for stuff. Uh, and I'll just, and I'll, I, one of my favorite parts about filming it every week is that I get to watch the wave now as they're prepping and they're talking about like what bit they're going to do next. And I never see the final product until anybody else does obviously but it's cool to see them to see their inner machinations working uh and coach t astounds me every week he i i he's got a gift i have no idea how he can be as quick uh in listening to the show and then also picking up on oh someone said this i should pull this sample or i should pull this song i don't know how he does it it's amazing i mean he has like i think he told me he has eighty-eight thousand songs in his uh or sound effects songs. So if someone does like uh, a Mariah Carey joke, he's got a Mariah Carey song. And it's like literally a second later. I don't know how he does it. Like, it's amazing. He's uh, like the hidden star of the show. And in Montreal, he was the same way. And uh, I mean, there's so many uh, moving parts to the show that it's a miracle it all works together. I love periscoping for the show too. That's all. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I remember when Periscope first came out, I was talking to Moses like, what if we, what have you thought about like live streaming this at all? And we still, you know, I remember when Frank had brought me on to the roast battle to begin with, he was always talking about how Moses wanted the show to stay, have like an underground vibe. That's why the, the Twitter always had pretty minimal uh, references to what was going on every week. And it wasn't really, it wasn't a joke account. It was just an information based account uh, and tweeting who's going to be battling, who's judging times and dates and all that good stuff. 
And so Periscope, we didn't really, you know, we didn't announce ourselves as, oh, we're live streaming the show every week now. We let that grow as organically as the show did too. And I've, you know, I've made, I've made it a point to try and make it look as professional as possible. I've got, uh, you know, I got camera stabilizers. I got better lenses trying to make sure that I can make it look as cool as it can be. I started putting in like an intro part where I do like, oh, you started at the belly room wow. and then you go up the stairs and you have the roast battle logo on the belly room sign. Uh, so I try and make it a prof- as professional an operation as I can. And that's one of the, one of the things that always makes me happy is when people say, Oh, this is, this is basically like watching like a one take TV show every week. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, I think the one or two times I haven't seen the show, like in New York, I watched the the feed. And I think the one time I went to Alice Cooper, I watched it, uh, in the parking lot. And, uh, it's really, if you, I mean, it's like seeing kiss, you got to see it live, but if you can't, obviously if you're out of state, uh, or you live in like Temecula or somewhere, it's the next best thing. And, uh, it's, I, th- I think given the show, uh, like I think comedy central saw it on Periscope. It was like, wow, this, this is a wild show. We got to come check this out. You know, before I think it was just word of mouth and they, eh, you know, I'm sure they get that about a lot of shows. Yeah, probably. I think Periscope, you know, they could watch it and go, wow, we gotta, we gotta see it. So I think, Periscope and your handiwork on it is one of the reasons it's on the air. Well, I'll take I'll take the credit for that if you want to throw it my way. I did. Uh, I I'm am. Sure there's a lot. I'm sure there's. Uh, I have a lot. I I owe a lot to roast battle to as far as where I'm at now in my uh, we all do. in my life in comedy. So I got to give that all back to uh, to roast battle at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean Jeff Ross, Moses, and uh, I guess that's the only two. Uh, <laughs> Coach T. But I mean, uh, really, Jeff Ross is—I uh, think he was the spark plug to get this thing to the next level. I mean, who knows what would have happened uh, if it was left to, you know, us to pitch it around town. Oh yeah, oh, know, man. I mean, it's really a miracle to see this show still function at a semi-high level of unorganized chaos. You know, like the other night, you know, with the six battles and you know, stand up that was, you know, kind of going on for a yeah. while. And, and, you know, the judging, you know, was probably, you know, talking a little bit too much. And Well, that's one of my favorite parts about working with Roast Battle and working for the show is that as a, you know, as a young comic in L.A., now I'm learning not only what it takes to uh, to like to to work with that room in particular and how to make that show run smoothly. But also as someone else who, you know, who wants to put on good shows. Now I know, okay, this is what a good show looks like. And this is what it takes to make a show run efficiently. So what can I do on, say, if I'm starting to run a show, what can I do to make my show run well? And how can I make people enjoy themselves while they're there and keep things running at like a good pace, book the right kinds of comics so that there's uh, a good amount of of different styles of comics in the lineup or people who are going to be giving you different things. Um, and, And making sure that like watching Moses as a host every week is... So it's a, it's such a lesson. I mean, he's like, I, I always want to hold back my praise to him because I don't want people to think I'm being a Palmer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he really is an amazing host. Uh, not not just in, I mean, in Montreal, it was like so much pressure on him. I mean, it's his show. So, you know, he's the face of the show with Jeff and like to see the, uh, 
insanity of you know the teleprompter and he had to like you know look into the teleprompter but act like he's not uh you know the, the intros for you know 16 world-class roasters he had to like you know introduce us to the world i mean it was uh well beyond anything i could have done so uh i mean he's he's the star of the show oh, you, for I, sure. you know hosting's like i think the the number one key to any successful show uh whether it's a stand-up show or roast battle uh you know if the host is a ball hog it's the worst yeah and you know with roast battle moses could be a ball hog i mean it's his show uh you know he probably has say on who gets on it and whatnot he could only book his friends and and all that stuff and he doesn't he he gives everyone a shot and uh you know, it's just an amazing uh, sight to see one person be the distributor for all of us. Yeah, he understands the sense of community that it really takes to make that show work. Yeah, I mean, he will give anyone a chance of doing roast battle. And, and uh, that, I think, gives its charm. Like, to see someone like, uh, you know, I'll say his name. I probably shouldn't. But, you know, Victor Martinez. Like... <laughs> He's giving Victor an incredible chance to be on the number one show in L.A. Uh, you know, he's giving a lot of, I don't want to say open micers, but newer comics the chance to be seen by thousands of people on Periscope. And, mm -hmm. you know, now the stakes are so high on this show. Comedy Central is there almost every week. Managers are there every week. Agents, you know, all it takes is for one person to see you and go, hey, this kid, guy or girl, Maybe they're looking for a chubby actor. Hey, this guy, Victor's pretty funny. Bam. They look at you. Hey, this, we need a nerdy, good-looking dude. I'm being serious. Like, you, you know, you're not nerdy, but like... I got glasses. That, got, means I'm ner that means I'm Hollywood nerdy. Right. You've got that look I'm castable nerdy. You could be on like, uh, you know, the Skulls as the, like the nerdy guy trying to get into the fucking gang. Yeah. Or, or whatever, you know. I'm uh, the, I'm the, I'm like the frat boy who goes awry. Right, you like that, you know, you could be on the Stanford swim team and like yeah. <laughs> you know, put it in. Uh, so it's it's really neat, the opportunities we've all been afforded. You know, I, mean, mm -hmm. I haven't been on TV once in 16 years. Now, in one week, I was on four times. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, believe me, I probably owe Moses and Jeff more than anybody. You know, <laughs> thank you. At the real Jeffrey Ross and uh, Race Banning. Jeff, Jeff Ross roast cops. <laughs> yeah, please. Central Jeff now. Ross roast cops. Jeff Ross, he's got had another show uh, where he was in a prison roasting people. I yep. mean, uh, uh, Rob Lowe roast. Back in my home state of Texas roasting people. Yeah, was it? Uh, Brazos County Jail. Which, you know, believe me, prisoners probably weren't the easiest group to, uh, you know, they're rapists, murderers, and mm -hmm. you're supposed to make them laugh. Now let's get to your TV appearance, The Road to Roast Man. Oh, boy. And we're going to talk about stand-up, too. But, like, once again, it's like Roast Battle is such a interesting show for all of us. It, mm -hmm. You just can't cover it in 10 minutes. No, of course uh, not. And it's such a big part of my – for me, I feel like it's a big part of my identity in comedy here in L.A. is being a part of the Roast Battle. I identify with it a lot. I know a lot of people have recognized me yeah. from the show. So not the TV show, the, the live show. Um but it's, I mean, it's it's great. And I'm glad that I got to be a part of Road to Roast Battle for this, uh, for this first season of it. 
Yeah, because this is the, uh, you know, I think all of us are like those first couple UFC, you know, uh, you know, you look at UFC one through like, say, seven or eight, they paved the way for UFC 200. And mm -hmm. I think that's where we're all, uh, you know, considered, uh, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Roast Battle this year. It's going to be bigger. Uh, you know, I mean, me personally, I would like to see all 16 people invited back and then 16 new people. So that way you're guaranteed fresh matchups. You get to see your favorites. You know, if you had them, you know, I mean, people love Christy Ciello. Oh, Christy. My heart goes out to Christy. I love Christy so much. They love, I, I judged her battle in New York and just, she packed it because people just wanted to see her. She's so lovable and endearing to watch. She because she's she puts her all into it, and she's such a, a great performer and uh, just consummate pro. I remember seeing her right before her taping for the Road to Roast Battle in New York, and she was show, going over her jokes with me. And a lot of people like write their sets down and uh, and like a notebook paper. She had every joke on a note card with like the inflection where she wanted to say certain things like bolded or underlined and all this, like this super neat handwriting. They're like doodles on the card. It's like, you really, you care about this show so much. And I love that. And I love when people actually put a lot of effort into, into the roast battle. Cause that's, you're going to just like with stand up. If you put in a lot of work, you're going to get a lot of dividends uh, by your performance and it's going to matter so much more if you give a shit about what you're doing. And I think that roast battle, it even, it, that, that is proven every week. Anytime you see someone who doesn't, uh, doesn't know how the show works, but tries it out, reads jokes off their phone, uh, or, or clipboard, or clipboard, <laughs> doesn't put anything in there, uh, to, to really, you know, jazz up what they're trying to do on stage. Uh, and Christy, Christy, it's jazzes it up. Oh man, seeing her on TV was was really really fun to watch. And I'm telling you, live, a lot of people are disagreeing when I say this. She almost beat Jimmy Carr. Like uh, people who watched it on TV were like, "Earl, Jimmy killed her." And, and you know, Jimmy beat her. But uh, if she had like one home run joke, uh, you know, she, you know, depending on judging, which sometimes can be, you know. Uh, bit of a pro wrestling element in the judging sometimes uh i mean she was close like cl or close enough you know and jimmy's the best i mean he is an animal mm -hmm. uh and uh so i walked away just on her battle with jimmy going wow this girl's good i mean i would watch i would go watch any of her battles because i don't think she really loses it i mean she's like one in six but she uh you know there's a guy out here I'm spacing on his name again. Who's the guy? Uh, he comes with the wallet chain. Tommy. Is it Tommy Stewart? He, uh, Johnny Stewart. Johnny Stewart. Sorry. I don't know why I keep calling him Tommy. Brand new battler, but he's a, you, you said it perfectly when he was bad, when you were hating against, he was, he's a jobber. Yeah. But he, like, I would watch him lose any day of the week over certain people winning, like, what drives me crazy about roast battle is like when people battle people they know they can beat. It's like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I won't say names, but like there's a lot of padded records, say like 30 through 50, where people are, you know, four and one, five and oh, and it's like, who have you battled? Man? Yeah. Well, now we're starting to see that sort of break. I mean, we had that this week. We had a couple, we had an, we definitely had an instance of that. Someone who was battling 
uh, two two guys who were battling. Both were undefeated, but both had battled a lot of sort of prop up battles. Tomato cans, as Pat Barker calls them. And we all have one or two. I oh mean, yeah, you for know, sure. Full disclosure: my first roast battle win was a boon shakalaka. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, it's not as easy as you'd think. I had a real, I had a what I consider relatively easy win against Tamer Katan back in the day. Way back in the day, Tamer just Tamer's a buddy of mine. He challenged me. He was like, "I want to do this roast battle." And I was like, "All right." And I had done like it was like my sixth or seventh battle, and I had already gone and I I had battled at South by Southwest at that point, and I I felt pretty good about what I was doing. And I was like, "I you know, hope you know what you're getting into." I wasn't trying to be too cocky, and then I got up there. And Tamer had some good jokes, but I, I remember I won in a sweep. Same thing against uh, Scott Kidd. Scott Kidd, when I battled him, he had he had a couple jokes that worked, but I just I, I swept him. Well, I think Scott was in over his head against you because I think his battle before that was against Jim. Yeah. Uh, that, no, he I, battled Jim. That's he battled, G-E-M, Jim. Uh, G-E-M, Jim. He battled Doug Reed. And he like slaughtered him because Doug tried and didn't have any jokes for whatever reason. And then Scott came in real hot. And uh, I remember that that battle will always stick out in my mind to me because that was the battle that Scott, uh, the wave came out after a joke that I did. And they smashed a watermelon on stage <laughs> and the watermelon and it's just watermelon everywhere. And Scott was like, he got hit in the splash zone and he was like freaking out a little bit but he was like it was like that silent forget like you can see it in the eyes but he was he was holding his composure as much as he could and then something snapped and he kicked over the stool that the watermelon ryan was on and kicked the watermelon ryan at the wave and then the room booed him and after that it was just it was game over for scott after that i don't think he's battled since right uh he might have battled like once but it's I haven't I haven't seen him battle. In I mean, a the while. stakes are high now. Uh, you know, there's you, you know you got to prepare and you mm-hmm. can't wing it. Even George Perez now, who's probably the best uh, improv battler, I would say, even he prepares now. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if you're taking on people like you or anyone, really anyone in the top thirty, you better. Uh, it's, it's a whole different world out there now. Mm-hmm. And now that there's TV executives in the room and managers and agents, it's it's just too risky to be unprepared. But let's get to Road to Roast Battle, Austin, yes. Texas. Now, uh, you probably would have been on the L.A. show, but I'm assuming because you were from Texas, they wanted uh, you to, you know, as a drawing of sorts to go, oh, here's Texas own. What went into you being on that show versus like the L.A. show? I'm thinking it's probably the Texan heritage. I battled in Austin before when the show went to South by Southwest. I battled. Uh, I was not on that show due to travel arrangements. I I was sad to hear that. I remember that. I remember Earl wasn't going to be there. I was like, oh, this is sad. And Whitney Rice as well. Uh, yep, no haters. There was just no room in the van for the 20 hour drive. <laughs> Uh, so I'd battled before in Austin. So the Austin scene, uh, not the comics themselves, but the, like, I guess the people who would have been involved in booking some of the stuff in Austin probably knew of me and what I, what I could do as a roast battler. Um, and I remember the day, yeah, Moses told me, uh, that I was going to be battling cause they were picking four cities. Uh, and Austin was one of those cities. Who did you battle the first time? And uh... first time I battled in Austin was a, a lady named Jenna Friedman. Do you know her? I did not know her oh. at all. Uh, Jenna is a New York 
based comic. She was uh, a writer for Letterman. Uh, at the time, she was a producer on The Daily Show, so she was writing and making field segments for them. Uh, right now, she's working on a... She's doing a one-woman show called American Cunt, which is traveling uh, traveling the country, and she was at uh, Edinburgh Fringe with that also. Um, great. Great writer. Very... In, uh, I had never battled a woman before, so I already had... It was like... It's tough. I had my work cut out for me. Um but it was really tough, and I had uh, I did the best that I could, and I still felt like I came off doing well in that show. I remember afterwards, Coach T uh, and a couple. Uh, I remember Jamar, I think, or somebody in the wave. I think it was Jamar, but they both were like, "You should have won that one." But Jenna did a really good job, especially for a first time battler. She she really brought the heat, and uh, it was just glad. So that so anyway, so that Austin experience, I think, sort of primed the pump for me to go back down there again, do the actual road to roast show. This time I was battling uh, another uh, ex-Texan who uh, had done the battle before, Ashley Barnhill, and that I really liked. I'm glad that they didn't pair me up with another comedian who is based out of Austin currently. And I think that they brought us on because we both had done the show in L.A. And they had a lot of sh- people on the show in Austin for Road to Roast who had done the battle or had done their version of the show to do down there called Spike Club. So they were familiar with the format. They knew how the show worked. But Ashley and I were the only ones who had done uh, the L.A. version of the show in Los Angeles. Like Chris Cubis was on the show, Kath Barbadoro, uh, Jake Flores. They'd all battled at South by. Um, and so they were doing... Uh, the, 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 the approximate version of the show, uh, which we did at the time. And then, but we, we did the whole deal. Uh, so that was a cool to be a part of that and, and know that we could have had the potential when we were like prepping for the battle to be the battle of the night. And I knew that Ashley was a tough opponent. She was a great writer and she's done really well in the battles before. She was one of the people uh, who rocketed to like a six and zero record. Uh, some really strong battle against Barbara Gray. That was her uh, one of her first battles. I remember that. Um, but prep for that, I, I you know I, I treated it the same way I would treat any other battle here in L.A. As soon as I found out, I got right to work, did a shitload of research as I usually do, um, and then I told my family that, that they should get tickets to Austin uh, to the show to the taping. And that was really cool. Like my um, all my whole f- my whole immediate family came. My grandma drove down from Little Rock to come to the show. Uh, I had friends of mine from the summer camp I used to work at who came and checked the show out. It was very surreal. I had never performed at a club in Austin before, and uh, I'd never done the roast battle on the road in quite that environment. You know, the, the Cap City Comedy Club where we performed the show was re. It's a big venue, probably. I mean, I conservatively say it's about 300 seats, probably more than that. Uh, And so the one thing I was a little afraid of was I didn't know how the show was going to work in a big room like that because I I hadn't seen the Montreal shows. I didn't know how well the show could work uh, in in a big room Uh, because I'd heard horror stories from like the New York Festival about like, oh, it was in this theater and it did not go as it's the energy's different in a big room like that. So I was a little worried, but the taping went over great, and me and Ashley went up. We were picked third out of the four battles that night. The first two battles to go on, they did a fine job, but me and Ashley had we both went up there like we had something to prove, uh, and there was a definite like we both really wanted to win that battle, and I think that that 
energy really lit the room up. It was very personal, some of these jokes. Oh, uh, boy, was it. Uh, this uh, goes to the uh, controversial topic of uh, are things off limits in roast battle. Mm-hmm. I personally think nothing's off limits. Yep. Uh, You're uh, referencing, for those of you who haven't watched, the uh, I made some jokes about her Alzheimer's uh, father. Yeah, and that's you think, wow, that's that's like crossing the line. Uh-huh. Uh, I know... Uh, there was in Montreal in the battle with uh, Mark Norman and Tony Hinchcliffe. There were some uh, subjects that were brought up that uh, even like executives were coming up to me going, Hey, is, do you guys really talk about this? Stuff? It's like, Hey, it's, you know, you sign up for this show. Uh, you, uh, you kind of, I think, give up your right of uh, sensitivity. Yeah. And it's, you know, I know if you and I ever battle, it would be a bloodbath. Oh, it would be. <laughs> well, because here's the thing, and I I contend this, and I've I've said it a few times, and in, in, in with friends and on other podcasts, uh, and I think there's nothing off limits in roast battle unless the person you're battling explicitly says, "Don't make a joke about this." Uh, I've battled uh, Ashley. I battled Doug Fager, and they both have some pretty at. I don't know, and then outside looking in, pretty sensitive things that you can hit. Yeah, you know? Doug has a, Doug uh, has a uh, deceased brother. Mm-hmm. And Ashley's dad has Alzheimer's. And those are both topics that you would look at on just like a like a pro, like a polite conversation standpoint. Those are things you're not going to bring up. Uh, but I remember when I I actually found out, uh, you know. For Ashley, uh, I found out that her dad had Alzheimer's from her Instagram page. And I saw that, and I remember I was going to bring it up when we talked about, like, what we were going to talk about at the battle, uh, if that was going to be, like, a taboo topic. And then I saw her at the pre-show one day making a joke involving her dad with Alzheimer's. And I was like, oh, well, if she's going to talk about it on stage, then she has no... then Then this means that it is fair game. I think that there's a distinction that should be made between making a joke at the expense of another person who's peripheral to the person you're battling or making a joke that involves something else. Like with Doug's dead brother uh, or Ashley's or Ashley's dad, I made sure that the, that they were not the butt of that joke. Right. The butt of the joke still has to be your opponent in the end of the day. And that is the thing that I think a lot of people might not understand newer battlers might not understand it uh, or, or people who are just outside, you know, audience members of the show might not understand it. Uh, I had a girl who I was sort of like sort of dating. Not really. We were like long distance chatting. We'd like met at a wedding uh, and she came visit me in LA and she came and saw the roast battle. And then the week that I battled Doug, it was like a couple weeks after she'd left town, but we were still talking pretty heavily. And I sent her that battle. And I was like, I'm really proud. This was like a great battle. Jim Carrey was there, blah, blah, blah. And then she uh, stopped talking to me after that because she was like, I can't believe that you would like make jokes about someone's dead brother. And like he said, it was like the lowest point in his life. And I remember I was just like, that. this is what he signed up for. Like he had jokes to come back from that. Obviously, if he didn't want it to be talked about, then he would have made that explicit the first time he battled. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, especially among the top roasters, no stone will be left unturned. Yeah, like I'm an open book. 
and I think that the best battles come from people who are open books and from people who do lay it all out on the table. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what, you know, I don't have any secrets. So like, yeah, I know what's coming. And then it's up to me to write the rebuttals for it. Exactly. So, you know, I don't think you have too many secrets that I know of. I don't have, I don't, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm one of secrets. And if there are, if there are things you want to know, I am, like I said, I'm an open book. Yeah, I'll talk I mean, about pretty much anything. You know, Keith is an open book. Uh, Connor's an open book. Olivia, Leah K. Janian, I think she is a brother, I think, uh, that uh, had a situation. So it's, uh, you know, it's the ones who have secrets, I think, are the one. There there are no secrets at the comedy store. Yeah, everything's going to get out anyway. If you think you're hiding something, that someone's blabbed. So, you know, it will be exposed. In the belly room on oh, yeah. Tuesday nights. Now, soft underbelly room. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's just it's, those walls have ears, man. And if you've hooked up with someone, it's, it's people know. The building's listening. Well, I mean, the building's black. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> uh, so that's the great Tommy Morris, who uh, might have been my most popular episode ever. So. That was the first episode of this I ever listened to was those Tommy episodes. I mean, that was... Uh, that was the last guy he ever hired. Did I ever tell you that? No, let's get it. Well, let's... No, you did not. But I, we're... You know, I, as you can tell, I don't plan the questions here. So uh, we kind of wander throughout the stratosphere here. We'll Very to, free form. Well, you know, I'm I'm not really a great interviewer when I map out the questions. So... Uh, just the way it is. Uh, so you and Ashley, a very, very personal battle. Very personal. I mean, uh, which I think some people wonder, well, can this show translate? Because it's two, for the most part, unknown comics, except, you know, like Jimmy Carr's known and mm -hmm. uh, Ralphie May and Ren It's Easy. But like when it's people of like you, me, and Ashley, I would say we're unknown to America for the most part. Uh will these inside jokes play but these jokes that you and Ashley had were so cleverly written and mean and funny it, it it was an amazing battle to watch it was so and I think they did a really good job of editing the battle there was so me Ashley and I we went to triple overtime on the on the full version of the battle uh and I remember that battle just being nuts like we went through our regulation jokes we did like four jokes in regulation and then they started to do the judging and then Ashley tagged me up with another joke and I was like, ah, all right. And then she hit me again right after that with another one. And at that point I knew that I could not just let her keep steamrolling me because I would just lose the battle and I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to win. Yeah. So I had nine jokes prepared for that whole show. And at that point I was like, I got to start throwing some of these out there. So I threw out, uh, the lines they wound up using these on the show. The uh, the you look uh, you look like you know where all your ex boyfriend's pets are buried. Where'd you get that outfit? The Casey Anthony collection. Uh, and that was you know we kept tagging each other up, and then Moses had to physically stop us the first two times that we would go at each other like that. And then they officially called for an overtime. Jeff uh, Jeff facilitated that, and then we both did one more joke, and. I'm glad that they, they stopped it there because I only had one other joke in the chamber after that. And that was a joke that I was, it was my, it was definitely my weakest joke out of the jokes that I still had left. Um, 
I tried to save as many strong ones as I could for the end, but that was that was one that was more silly, and I don't think silliness would have worked as well on the TV show uh, as it battle. does in the belly room. Not for that one, no. But I mean, that was it was nuts. The energy that that she brought made me bring out a lot of energy to that battle, and I still to that day that is definitely like I would. It's definitely in the top three of the favorite battles that I've ever done. Well, she's really good because she sells that kind of cunty character and she's like the furthest thing from a bitch or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. but she's awesome really sweet girl really nice but you know when she hits that stage it's like a almost like a christian bale american psycho just a button sw switches in her brain and she's like super twat well, i remember seeing her notes like we met up for uh for breakfast uh the week before we were supposed to go battle and she you know, we were talking about like what we were up to and she told me she was like, yeah, I'm working on this like uh, I'm writing a thing for uh, for I've got like a deal with somebody and she was like working on a, a script of her own. And so I was like, and she was like, I'm not doing as much stand up because I'm busy with this. And I was like, oh, she uh, maybe I hope she has enough time to like uh, to prep for this. And then she we got to like talking about like, all right, let's let's like grill each other. And she pulls out just a, like an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that is just completely covered in like the tiniest handwriting of notes and premises and and just facts about me and i was like oh she she comes to play thank god and she and thank god this is going to be a really good battle yeah uh, i mean you have to come to play like yeah just to get to four great tv quality jokes you probably have to write 50 or more i think i wrote for that battle i wrote yeah, I definitely wrote like 60 or 70 jokes, and a lot of those are garbage. That's my process in general for roast battles. I'll write upwards of like 70 jokes. My average range I hit about like somewhere probably between like 75 and 90 per battle. Right. And then out of that, I am finally able to call it down to 20 that I feel okay about, and then I'll run those over and over again until I figure out which ones are the best ones. That's a lot with. of fucking jokes. It's a lot of jokes. I mean, I think for Tom Ballard, I had 107. Man. You know, I mean. It, it, and she, you guys, what, got four on the air? Yeah. But, you know, and I, you know, and then after that, it was a kind of a, you know, you had to write a lot faster. Yeah. <laughs> you, had, you know, battle the next day or whatever. But, uh you know, so you you do the battle with that. Who were the judges? Robert Kelly, Robert Kelly, Fortune Feimster, Jeff Ross, Adam Ferraro was there. Uh, but yeah, the the those were the main three judges. And did you uh, did you look at the judges and go, okay, it's Robert Kelly. He's probably gonna like the 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 grittier stuff. Do you look at judges when you're battling and like? Or do you just? Nah, I just go. I just go with what works best for me. I go with what I feel is the best. What what I feel is right. I do a lot of testing out my material at open mics uh, beforehand. I'm a big advocate of that. I know some people don't do that. And that's their own style. But I like to say the words out loud in front of an audience, and that way I can get a gauge of how it'll probably work. But before that show in Austin, I was uh, I was in Dallas for a night, and there's a club that I'm in in Dallas called the Backdoor Comedy Club, and I hit them up and I was like, "Listen, I'm doing this TV taping." Tomorrow, I would love if I could come in and do uh, just run my set for TV uh, to see what the to see to see what people think of it. And so I ran those jokes in front of just like a, your average like Saturday night crowd, which in Dallas it's a very it's a very diverse crowd at that club. Uh, we had uh, a, a lot of uh, a, a wide variety of people, but it was also a pretty small show. There were probably like thirty people there. 
and I ran my jokes on both shows. And the ones that worked for those crowds were the same ones that worked on TV. Right. So that was uh, that's an opportunity I don't get a very, a, to do very often. And that's, I think, something that's going to become more and more valuable is the opportunity to do stuff like that on a regular show. But I can't really do that here in L.A. I, I feel weird if I go up on a show. That's the one downside to roast battle in the long run is that whenever I do it, it does take away from my ability to work on my regular stand up. Oh, uh, yeah, because you're because uh, you're in such prep mode for that. Like, I'm glad that I have a month, uh, two month break in between when I'm battling next. So that way I can just focus on my own uh, on my own act for a little while and maybe some other side projects that I want to get done. I mean, I struggled after Montreal for three weeks to write one stand up joke. <laughs> my whole fucking focus was ripping apart someone in their physical looks which isn't my normal stand-up like to you know more talk about myself or whatever and you know i'm finally getting back into the groove but it took me a while because it's a, such a different style i think most people stand up isn't shitting on the crowd or you know picking apart people physically or mentally yeah. and then you go from you know a hundred jokes about ashley to you know jokes about your grandma or something yeah it's tough though i do feel like roast battle has afforded me uh the ability to feel okay with writing about subjects that i don't feel like i could tackle as a younger comic as a or as a greener comic rather right now i feel like i can hit some stuff like right now i'm working through a, a chunk of material that i really like that is all about gun control and gun violence and this is some stuff, some of the stuff I'd been kicking around last year and it was kind of softball kind of material. And this year there's been so much gun related stuff in the news and particularly back in my hometown of Dallas where we had a cop oh, shooting. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a lot that I've added to that bit that is very much, it is, it is dark, but I can sell it in a way that I did not know how to do before. And I can write about it in a way that is that is still funny while also addressing, oh, this is a really kind of fucked up situation, but I can, I can, I've gotten better at doing a uh, material that might be a little bit more, a uh, little bit more seedy on the darker side. And that's kind of stuff. I, I like talking about that kind of stuff too. If I can, if I can do it well. Well, I will, I you're right. I mean, it, it uh, roast battle does give you the confidence to try, uh, edgier jokes i mean if you can do dead brother jokes about someone who's on the stage with you or you know uh you know i think i did uh, a three-tiered rape joke against olivia and she was you know sexually assaulted it's like if you can do stuff like that i don't i don't think uh, there's a fourth wall anymore on stage yeah so now you are you still uh, dating the same lady yep we are dating uh me and a, a lady named leah lamar let me just give you one bit of advice. Do not roast her. I've lost. Well, I've heard uh, Avery Pearson said that too. He I've, said, don't roast her. I've lost uh, two girlfriends that way. So uh, <laughs> I would definitely. Uh, Originally, we had planned if we stayed together for a year, we were going to roast each other. Don't. And then we were talked out of that. It never works. <laughs> I'm telling you, both times, two weeks later, I was out. So, you know, I think it's. Uh, just, I don't know why, but I think there's just, you know, even though you clear everything, you don't tell them what you're saying, but, you know, you, hey, I'm going to say this, you know, you give them a uh, ballpark figure of what, what yeah. subjects will be, it just doesn't work. <sighs> yeah, so, and she's awesome. And she's a great roaster. Yeah, she's got another battle coming up uh, on this coming Tuesday. Who? Nicole Buchanan. 
Okay, I don't know her, but uh, she used to. Uh, she used to. She's done one battle, and she used to date Dan Nolan. So they've got. Oh, I think I do know her. Yeah, she's got some roasty, roasty energy from from Dan, I'm sure. And she did a fine job in her one battle that she's already done. So this is going to be a really good battle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like it. Well, we're gonna like. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about like battling. Uh, different sexes like i find uh you know even though like you and ashley went deep against each other that the guy has to be careful you know because you come off as a bully i think yeah i think and this is interesting that you bring this up now we actually just had a point uh that is the anna valenzuela uh is going is has written an article that we're going to publish on the roast report sometime probably next week uh, but it's all about the, the women who roast battle and it's about the perception of women in the battle. Um, it used to be basically the conclusion she came to is that it used to be really tough for women, uh, to lose in the roast battle ring. It was always pretty much impossible. If you're a guy battling a girl, you're going to wind up losing to her, uh, because you're right. It's hard to not come off as a bully. Uh, but as the show has evolved, it has become easier for guys to uh, to beat women in roast battle. And I think part of that's a product of guys have started to figure out how to effectively write jokes about women who they're battling that don't necessarily resort to, oh, she's a slut kind of jokes. And that's the thing. I know Sarah Tiana's talked about that, Eliza Schlesinger. When they've judged, they've both said, don't go for the lazy shit like that. Go something deeper. But sometimes they are sluts, and you have to talk about sometimes. It. Like but you know, hit as many topics as you can. Well, right. Well, when I fought Sarah Tiana at, uh, you know, I knew I had heard through the grapevine that Sarah Silverman did not like age jokes against women because I think there was that one Comedy Central roast where everyone piled on her for being old, and she's not old, obviously, but like, mm-hmm. I guess for the sake of roasting. She's going to be called old. Yeah. Uh, so I did not make one age joke against Sarah. And she's, Tiana's not old. But, you know, for the roast, you could say she is. Yeah. Well, then Mike Lawrence comes around and does an age-related joke right after that, too. Yeah. And that so, one worked out really well for him. Yeah. So, it's uh, you know, it, it's just... And, you know, Mike Lawrence was the only one of the 16 who did not have uh, outside riders. You know, so there's... Uh, you know, there's no set way to battle or, or when, uh, you know, uh, I know Pat Barker said in his battle against Leah Kajanian, uh for the title at L.A. Riot at the time, he did a joke where he walked over to her and he was seen as a bully. And, yeah. Uh, but now I think you're right and Anna's right. Uh, you know, you, a guy can be a little more aggressive towards a girl now because I think it's especially when it's... Uh, higher uh, evolved battlers uh, you know i think the audience does okay this girl signed up for this she you know she can have mean things said about her yeah whereas before uh it was uh you know oh you know like me and anna could battle and i might she might make fun of my nose and then i could make fun of her nose and people are going to be like well she's beautiful but earl you do kind of have a big nose I remember this being a critique kind of of uh, when I was battling in, in Austin for South by Southwest when I was battling Jenna and we had Judd Apatow as one of our judges. Right. The great Judd Apatow. Uh, and he 
did I remember this kind of coming up that he did not like the way I was approaching the battle. I remember him saying, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember the gist of part of his judging was something about the way I was approaching the battle seemed too mean to be going against a woman, which that I just, you know, I, I am a fan of Judd's work, but that is not something that I agreed with. Cause it's, it's like you just said, they're signing up for this. Right. If you're going to do the roast battle, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get made fun of. You're going to get shit on. You're going to get insulted. And hopefully it's funny. And if it's funny, that saves everything else. Yeah. As long as people are laughing at what's being said, the content of that completely irrelevant, I would say. But when you make it about, oh, their topic, this is this is what they're talking about. You can't say that. That's not cool. I don't think that that's the right way to approach looking at like a critique of someone's jokes that they do in the roast battle. And I think that that is something that now I'm glad to see that men and women who do the roast battle are both starting to have a good sense of equality. And, and uh, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing for the battle. It's a good thing for the show. You know, you got a lot of really strong women who are rising through the ranks and, and doing more and more battles. And it's, uh, you know, at a time when everyone is like sort of harping on, we got to have diversity in comedy. Great. Then do roast battle and diver- and it can be at a more diverse show and it can be a show where everyone is free to say whatever they want. Roast battle is, you know, good old John Mayer said the best roast battles a church of free speech and free speech can come from anybody. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, there's some great female, uh, battlers, uh, you know, Rena, Anna, Leah, Olivia, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some, had, uh, Gene Whitney, Madison, yeah. Sinclair. Uh, yeah. Gene is awesome. Madison's great. I mean, Madison had cancer. Yeah. And, uh, I think if she would have battled earlier on in the roast battle, days you can't make jokes about this girl having cancer and now it's like yeah you can as long as it's funny at the end of the day i agree it you know you can do dead brother jokes you can do uh you know my parents died two months apart if it's funny i think jesse joyce had a funny joke about that you know obviously you know it's not my favorite subject but yeah. it was funny i think you can have as long as as long as it's funny that trumps everything else that's the only real criteria for a roast joke yeah, be funny. If it's not funny and it's just mean, then it doesn't. Then it's not. Then the, get it, get the fuck out of here. I mean, I would agree with Eliza on that. You can't just say a girl's a whore if she hasn't like, you know, uh, boned a lot of dudes. But it, you know, if she has and the joke is funny, I, you know, I think it's great. Yeah. So uh, you know, that should be the tagline for roast battle. If it's funny. If it's funny, go yeah. for it. Yeah. Anything's. You know, now what's your process to, I've gone into my process of, uh, you know, when you're given a battle, you know, like your next battle is when? October, the last week of October, I think the 27th. And it's against? Trey Stewart. Who, uh, Trey Stewart, great. Uh, he was one of the young stars of Ross Battle, and then he kind of, I think he stopped doing it for, uh, I'm yeah. not sure the reason why. He did, uh, uh, from what I understand, just wanted to do a lot more stand-up, and he's been doing a lot of traveling. I know he goes down to San Diego a lot. He goes back to Michigan, to Detroit a good bit. Um, I think that it is a, uh, the way you should, the way I approach Rose Battle anyway, as far as prep work goes, 
research is king. So I listen to podcasts with that person on there. I read as much as I can of uh, of things people have said about them or things people have written. Like for Ashley, I Googled uh, reviews of Ashley's performances from when she would like go open for Marin or go open right. for Dave Chappelle. And I gained a lot from that. Uh, so I'm going to be for Trey. I know he's done some podcasts, so I'll listen to those episodes. I watch sets that they've done, watch whatever other work that they may have put out there. Uh, and then I get together with that person. I always like to get together if I can. The only person in recent memory who I didn't do that with was Keith. Uh, Is that because you knew him already or you just... Timing just didn't work out right. for it. We were supposed to, and then we both had things come up on other nights we were supposed to, and it just didn't work out that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of research, and I, get a, I, I make a file, basically, on that person. Uh, I write down all the facts that I can about whoever I'm battling, and then I'll try and use those facts as, as just setups for whatever punchline I can come up with. Now, uh... How do you write rebuttals? Like, do you, like, do you know, uh, like, uh, in your, like, I know where people are going to hit me, you know, Kennedy cousin, age, uh, lack of success. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a list like that where you go, okay, glasses, lips, you know, uh, girlfriends you've dated or whatever? Yeah, pretty much. And that's, and I don't write a ton of rebuttals. It's not really my style right. to do rebuttals in my sets for roast battle, but at this point, you know, I know people are going to talk about my glasses. People are going to talk about my lips. People are going to talk about me being super, super fucking white. Uh, so never be ashamed of that, my friend. <laughs> but it's something people are going to talk about. Uh, and I got to figure out. Honestly, that's the thing I've never really cracked in roast battle is how to is how to make a really good rebuttal. Um, well, I think you do pretty good. I do. All, I that, but I the, Willie Hunter a long time ago told me the to just go offense is, uh, and so that's pretty much what I focus on is just writing jokes about the other person. If a rebuttal comes to me, then I'll write it down and I'll try it out and see if it works. Um, but for the most part, I just try and stick to battling, uh, to to focusing on what I can say about the other person instead of turning it on myself. Lately, I've gotten a little better at turning it on myself just by necessity, um, but it's always afforded me more success in the battles that I've done. Uh, whether or not I wind up winning that battle or not, it's, it still feels better for me to, to write about the other person and not really write about uh, something that they might say about me. See, I'm the complete opposite. You're a rebuttal king. You and I would be a great battle because it'd be <laughs> offense against defense. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, but you know, it's risky because I, you do it the smarter way because, uh, you know, usually I'm the rebuttal king, but like against Sarah Tiana, she hit me with like child molesting jokes that I just, you know, I had nothing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's because I don't think you can, you know, like rebuttals to me are spur of the moment, like because you don't know what the other person's going to say. Right. Uh, so it's risk, very risky to uh, rely on rebuttals, you know, and you know. Yeah. The only rebuttal I had that really, really hit hard and worked was in that first battle I ever did against uh, Jonathan Tumblin. And I remember he made a joke about me having glasses. And I said, yeah, sorry, I wear my glasses. I usually take these off before I fuck a bitch. And then the room like erupted and I took my glasses off. And then I was and then the, the room just like died after that. I've never been able to capture anything like that moment with a rebuttal since then. Now, your entrances are, uh, do you ever, they're kind of uh, just normal. Like, do you ever, uh, there's two schools of thoughts on entrances. You're, 
joke writing is strong enough where you don't uh, need to do a wacky entrance like mm-hmm. others. Uh, do, you, do you put any thought into your entrances or is it just walk to the stage? I just walk to the stage for the most part. The only time I've had a big entrance was when I battled Alex Hooper because I knew he was going to have a big entrance. Yeah, well, that so was... I figured, well, if I don't do something, then I'm going to look a little less prepared than Alex, who I know is going to give it his all. So I prepped something uh, for that, but that's the only time that I've ever prepared an intro for a battle. I had some buddies of mine come in. I had a buddy of mine who does a really solid Trump impersonation, so I had him come in and endorse me as the future roast battle champion. I had the uh, someone waving an American flag in the background. I came in with a don't tread on me flag. Um, and that was fun. You know, I'd never done anything like that before, and I, uh, I felt d- definitely outside of my comfort zone doing something like that. But I was like, you know what? I, better, I might as well try it out. Right. I don't think I'm going to be going back to doing big intros anytime soon. I don't think it's my style. Right. Um, We're tough to follow usually. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, you do some wacky intro, you better like, like I think Juan Felix is known for his uh, elaborate entrances. And mm-hmm. then sometimes, you know, the, uh, you know, the battle doesn't quite match the intro. Yeah. Uh, but you know, everyone, that's what I love about roast battle. Everyone has their style and, you know, it's very much like the UFC styles make fights and uh, you're one of the better ones. Uh, so uh, get ready. Jay's got two big battles coming up. Now let's get into stand up. Oh boy. Yeah. Because uh, that's obviously what we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, roast battle has been an amazing vehicle for everyone to get their stand up more out there. I mean, I've certainly gotten better gigs because of the show and, uh, what got you into stand-up? I got into stand-up when I was in high school still. Uh, a buddy of mine decided uh, to pick up a book that some f- comics probably know and love and some comics probably are aware of. Uh, Can called- I guess what it is? Yeah, go for it. Judy Carter's Joke Bible. You got it. Oh. Uh, the good old Judy Carter. And so that book suggests you get a comedy buddy... And so I volunteered to be his comedy buddy. Now, weirdly enough, this is the thing that I'd kind of, I guess I'd kind of set myself up to do comedy type stuff as a, in a career. Like I used to be really into when I was younger, even younger than high school, like middle school, I used to be really into the, uh, the idea of like being a pickup artist, like mystery style. You are a, uh, well, not anymore, but like you have a lovely lady friend, but, uh, you're you're a bit of a coxman. I can't, I've had. <laughs> I think you called me a pussy hound in the past, which is at the comedy store specifically is a compliment. I mean, the uh, it's uh, there. I think there's. It's like roasting. You're either good with women or you're not. Mm-hmm. You're just nothing in between. Uh, and you are uh, you're charming, a good looking dude, funny. So you, you're set up quite uh-huh. nicely. I remember reading a lot of stuff back in the day. I'd go to these websites like becomeaplayer.net, and I downloaded a whole bunch of like ebooks on like oh this is how you get good with women because i never felt like i was good with women at all but this is at age 12 so it doesn't really matter like it's 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 all stuff that doesn't apply like you can't go buy a girl a drink when you're 12 or 13 years old it doesn't make sense to slurpy maybe but yeah or get some get the lady a chocolate milk in the cafeteria um but i one of the books was this book called double your dating and it suggested this the method that it said there was to learn how to be funny and and in being funny and confident will attract women to you. And so it said, you should get this book, Comedy Writing Secrets uh, by Mel Hellitzer. And so I got that book on Amazon 
And I read that cover to cover and it, it's like stand up as a section. Um, but when I started to actually like to write jokes and, and, and get interested in maybe doing stand up as just like a craft, I went right back to that book and I was like, Oh, this is a good, uh, this is a good way to learn how to write a joke. Well, so I started doing stand up. First time I ever got on stage when I was 18 at college. I went to a college in North Carolina called Elon University, sort of in the middle of nowhere, but they had an open mic on campus. It was uh, once every couple months. And I did that open mic. I did not bomb the first time I ever got on stage. And that, I think, helped fuel me a lot to keep doing it because then I bombed pretty much nothing but bombing after that for a few months. Uh, and I was very afraid of performing the first two years that I was even going on stage. I don't really count in my stand up lineage because I wasn't taking it seriously. I was too afraid to, to give it a real shot. Uh, then by the time my junior year rolled around, I just, I had a car and I knew that there were some stand up clubs and places I could get up on stage outside of my little college town. Uh, I could go to like Chapel Hill, Raleigh, Durham. I could go to Greensboro. So I uh, started to get up, at least once a week, uh, I started running a show on campus. I opened for uh, some comics who came to my college. Uh, somehow I convinced my college to let me do an hour twice. I was definitely not ready for it either of those times, uh, but it was a good exercise. And then uh, from there, after those first two years, uh, I graduated and then I moved out here to Los Angeles and I thought I was going to be working in production uh, and just doing comedy at night. And then I wound up working in comedy clubs, got a job at Flappers, uh, and then got a job at the comedy store. And uh, my stand-up has been taking a front seat ever since then. Now, did you have any, uh, like, you know, when I was first getting into stand-up, like my, I don't say mentor, but whatever, it was like Archie Bunker. Like just mm -hmm. Even though he wasn't a stand-up, uh, you know, I just liked how he was the lovable buffoon. Uh, and then like Stephen Wright and, and people like Robert Schimmel. Did you have someone you like lommed on to and was like, I want to do that, like that, that style or like, who are your influences? Uh, I would say my influences for sure. Uh, first comic ever bought an album of was Patton Oswalt, bought Werewolves and Lollipops, listened to that pretty religiously. Uh, and I love uh, Kyle Kinane. Big fan of him. He's great. He was another one of the first stand-up albums that I ever bought. Uh, and this was in college. I remember just listening to Death of the Party. Uh, and that's his first album for, for listeners who don't know. I highly recommend it. And it is just, it's a magical album. And it's full, deep, layered jokes, so well-written. And and just knock you out of your seat funny. Um, I love both of those guys. Uh, I, I was really into both of them. Uh, cause I, you know, I went to college and I studied writing and English and, and filmmaking and that kind of stuff. So I was kind of coming at it from a more writer's perspective anyway, instead of a performer's perspective. So I appreciated what they were doing as writers of the joke. And I think that that really, um, those are two guys who I definitely list as like big, big influences on, on the way I approach comedy. Now, working at the comedy store, it's almost like probably being at school like the, every night. Yeah. See Joe Rogan. And, yeah, it's and, like grad school. Yeah, Diaz and, uh, and Jezelnik. And, I mean, it's really like the who's who. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I really cherish being able to work at the comedy store and getting to see not only just a, just a 
constant lineups of the greats, especially these days. But I I love just getting to see all of the different kinds of comics who come through the comedy store and perform there because every lineup, you know, I love pretty much everybody who I see on those on those like original room and main room lineups. I will sit and watch any of those performers any night of the week. They are they all bring something different to the table and they all bring something very interesting. And I learn every time I watch any performer in, in any of those shows. I mean, now even just watching potluck is like uh, pretty amazing. Like in the employees, like, wow, there's a lot of funny people getting on right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, friends and family, you know, like people who, you know, will be showcased or whatever. Eventually it's like, it's amazing. The talent stacked, not just the regular lineups, but like now the employees, all the employees are great. Uh, in their own way and like it's i tell people who get development spots be happy with those man because those are like the new spots yeah you know it's very hard to get in there right now oh it's i'm glad that i got in when i did i'm glad that i got in uh you know like i mentioned i was the last guy tommy ever hired well let's get into that process because uh to you know the comedy store now is run a little bit more like a, a business you know and it's a little more uh there's some structure. Yeah, it's, that's the perfect word. Like, you know, to get in, to be a paid regular at the comedy store, you have to impress at Potluck, and then you either will get hired as an employee, a door guy, or door, door girl, like Jessica Wellington. First Shout ever out. door girl. That's Shout pretty amazing. Jessica. And uh, a comic, uh, it's a side note, but a comic made her cry last night. Really? And uh, maybe she doesn't want me uh, letting this out. I won't say who the comic is, but... If you are a comic and you walk up to uh, come into the comedy store and they ask you for your ID, uh, just show it to them. Don't say you must be new and then act like everyone should know who you are. Because if that's your attitude, then nobody knows who you are. So just show your fucking ID. Uh, They're just doing their job. Yeah, we're just doing our jobs. And then so this comic kind of like ripped into her and like, you know, it's just, Jesus, you know. Russell Peters would take out his ID. If he can take out his ID, then everyone else below him, which is pretty much all of us, uh, just show your ID. I mean, I'm not going to be asked if I'm 21 because I think it's pretty obvious I am. But, so, but there's more structure at the comedy store. Like, you know how to get past now is it's like a five-step process. Mm-hmm. You know, potluck, uh, you know, friends and family, development spot, showcase, pass. You know, under Tommy... Uh, it was more cloudy, you know, even to get a job there. It was like, we'll just hang out there. And weirdly enough, I never really hung out. Which is like, you know, you're an exception. Yeah. There's always exceptions to the rule. And I, I went up being the last exception, I guess. Well, you know, you would have been hired by anybody though. I mean, like some of the people Tommy hired might not have thrived in this new structured environment. I remember the, so the way it worked out for me was I was working at Flappers at the time. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, when I moved out to LA, I did nothing on the drive, but listen to old episodes of WTF with Mark Marin, all detailing the history of the comedy store. And so I had never really known about the store as a club at all. I didn't really know a whole lot about the LA scene until I moved to LA and I was like prepping for my move to LA. So, you know, listening to all these stories on the drive out, I was just like, I I would love to check this place out and see what it's like and maybe be a part of it. And then as soon as the first time I ever came in for potluck, I was hooked. And I was just like, I got to I got to be around this place. 
Um, it drew me in. And so I started to come around, you know, I was working at Flappers five nights a week, pretty much. And I was going in at like four o'clock out to Burbank from Hollywood, which meant I'd, I'd leave at like three o'clock. Um, and I would be working until 11 and then I would do the open mic there cause it'd be the only mic I could do that day. And then I would go out and then I'd go home. Uh, so I didn't have any time to go and hang out anywhere else really. Um, hang out. So I would go, I'd have off on Mondays, uh, cause the club was closed on Mondays at the time. So I'd always go to potluck. And then I started to get up on potluck and I would do kill Tony. I got on kill Tony a couple of times. Um, and then Roast battle started happening and I started going to hang out for roast battle. And then I remember hearing that, uh, cause some of the store guys would start to come to flappers and they'd be like, Oh, you should come to the comedy store sometime. And I remember I was, I, uh, heard through the grapevine that there was, uh, someone who got, uh, there were a couple openings for at the door guy position. Cause a couple of people had gotten fired and under Tommy under Tommy I could I'd love to hear what they did to get fired under Tommy I think it was right when uh our current when the current GM started taking over so all new probably, system probably starting to clean house a little bit um so I remember hearing that and he and they were like uh this you know this person I won't I won't say who uh, uh but uh, anonymity is best yeah so he was he told me that I should uh he was like, you should, uh, if you, would you ever work at the comedy store? And I was like, absolutely I would. And he was like, well, you know, you know, it's probably a conflict of interest. Uh, and I was like, I would, who oh, I would definitely take, you know, not knocking flappers. Flappers is a great place for me I'll to, do that. to learn, <laughs> to learn about what it's like to be a comedian and to learn the ins and outs of working at a comedy club and to develop my voice a little bit more as far as uh, being comfortable on stage and figuring out how to talk about myself. Um, I remember I came to the store and then I basically asked off for the whole week at flappers and I went in on potluck one day and then I came by one night and Tommy was and they were like, you should, they're like, you should come by this night because Tommy will be there this night. Whoa. So I came by and I, and I introduced myself and he was like, yeah, I saw you on uh, I saw you on the potluck the other day. You got something. You got something there. Well, <laughs> you got something. <laughs> so I remember I hung out that night for a couple hours and then I left. And before I left, I caught him and I was like, Hey, I, if you ever, you know, if you ever if you guys ever have a job opening here, I'd love to work here. I love the vibe. And I think I could be a good employee here. I was like, yeah, I like your energy. Uh, and so he told, he's like, come back and sign up again on, uh, we'll work you out this potluck this week. So I came back the next week and I remember I knew something was like, something felt good because I would usually have to call in a favor as sometimes people do, uh, to get on, uh, first for a spot. And there was uh, two weeks in a row. I didn't have to, I got on just on a, I didn't, uh, I told no one I was coming through. I told no one, Hey, I'd like to get a spot. It just kind of happened. Um, and then I, then Tommy put me up the next week and I, uh, I, I did, I did a set and then I talked to Tommy afterwards. He's like, yeah, let's, uh, you know, we'll see you. We'll see you later this week. So I kept coming back every night the rest of that week. And I talked to Tommy a couple more times. I introduced myself to the GM, talked to him, uh, talked to, uh, Jeff Scott at one point, like Adam had gone up and Stuart, uh, uh, Jeff he t or, uh, Adam had, or not Adam. Um, uh, uh, Tommy had told me to come by and then Tommy 
was gone, he'd like gone up to his office and he, and Stuart was working the booth. Stuart called up to Tommy for me and Tom, and cause I was like, yeah, Tommy told me to like talk to him tonight. And he was like, no, no, no. He wants you to talk to Jeff Scott. So he introduced me to Jeff and I talked to Jeff about like the history of the club. And like, he told me about some stuff about the, the place, um, which I guess at the time was like one of Tommy's tests. Uh, and, and if like, if Jeff didn't like you, then that was probably a bad sign. Well, Jeff Scott, for those of you wondering, legendary uh, piano player at the comedy store. Been there 30 years, seen it all, seen Dice Rise, Kennison Rise, uh, seen everyone, Richard Pryor. I mean, he's like literally a living legend at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. So uh, then that, uh, the, the, the end of the week, I uh, I just, I felt, uh, you know what, I got to, as I was already looking, I'd already had at that point some negative experiences at Flappers and I wanted to move on and do something else so I could pursue comedy a little bit more. Uh, and then I put in my two weeks. The next day, Tommy called me to offer me a job, which was a crazy little bit of serendipity. Well, I mean, listen, Tommy, uh, to those of you like you, and I know Stuart loved him, uh, you know, you know, I wish I had that relationship. With him. I, that's the, and I never, uh, the, I never really had a relationship with Tommy. I never really got to know him all that well. The times I interacted with him, he it was nothing but positive, and he praised. I remember that the thing he brought up over and over again was he really liked. He was like, "Your energy's really good. You got a good vibe about you." You're that I will agree with. And uh, I, you know, I pride myself on that at least, and I try and still have a good positive vibe. Uh, now, now I'm, it's not so much, I would definitely putting on airs before for some things and I don't bullshit as much. Uh, and I'll be a lot, will be more straightforward, but you know, I'm pretty easy going dude. Not a lot rattles me and I can be, uh, I can, I can be pretty, pretty upbeat and I try and stay that way as much as I can. Well, I mean, I think the comedy store and roast battle, uh, they teach you to be more, uh, not aggressive, but, uh. You know, like I'm the same way. Like you and I are very similar uh, personality-wise. I don't bullshit as much as I used to. Not that I ever did, but like, you know, if I don't like something, I say it now. Like, uh, you know, there's been a couple instances with uh, some uh, situations behind the scenes with Rose Battle where I've stood up for myself where normally I would ah, fuck it. Uh, so, uh, you know, like the comedy store, it's like a... Survival of the fittest up there. Yeah. You got to learn if you're going to, that's the thing that working at the store, uh, both as a door guy and, and getting spots there has been such a boon to me is figuring out like you have to be, and you're right. Aggressive is not the right word for it, but it's, but, uh, it almost is. Like, it kind of is, but it's something it's like, it's not exactly it. And I can't quite put my finger on what the right word is, but assertive. That's more, I right. think, what it is. You got to be able, you got to be comfortable asserting yourself and you got to be comfortable putting out your point of view and making sure that you and your opinion, you realize that it matters and you can't just be a pushover and you can't be a doormat. Right. And you can't be as fun as, as, fun as it is to, uh, to avoid situations for me it used to be i used to be an isolator and a person who would avoid situations that seemed kind of tricky um but now i feel not maybe not like i'll run headlong into them but i feel comfortable in those situations i feel like i can hold my own 
Yeah, yeah. Like the, even the other night at Roast Battle when I was judging, someone tried to sit right next to me because they wanted to get in on the judging. I'm like, ah, you can't really, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. Whereas, you know, six months ago, I've been oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember when I first started working at the store, I would I would let people sort of hang out in the hallways and I would let people like sit in spots where they weren't supposed to sit. And eventually, you just got to listen. It's nothing against you, but I have to do my job. And I care about my job more than I care about letting you right. hang out next to a paid regular. Yeah. Let I you mean, hang out in the parking lot. Yeah. I mean, the, that's what I love about the stores. It's, it's like a, uh, not a gang, but it's a, uh, you know, there's certain areas that are reserved for, you know, um, you know, just people who've been in the gang. And uh, like Fung Chow, the legend. Oh, the legendary Fung Chow. I love wa watching him kick people out. He gets a joy out of it that I think most people don't. Like, I don't think you get a joy out of saying to someone, hey, you know, only paid regulars are supposed to sit mm -hmm. there. Can you please move? Fung, just get out. <laughs> so it depends. And honestly, it does depend on the person. Sometimes if it's someone who is like a repeat offender. Right. I'll feel more comfortable. And that's the thing. Now we have to, with the roast battle, since we've had all this, uh, this, uh, this hoopla with capacity of the room lately, one person, uh, we, I've had to much more police the room, uh, which I am totally fine with because I care about the integrity of the comedy store more than I care about necessarily what someone who's just hanging out, who's trying to get a spot on, on kill Tony or trying to uh, to be an undercard battler, what their opinion of me is. Because at the end of the day, I care about the comedy store more than I care about your uh, your feelings. Yeah, I mean, it's a cold business, man. You know, and that's, uh, I think what I love, it, it's about the comedy store, but roast battles specifically, is it can really humble you. Like, just when you think you're on top of the food chain, you find out there's someone a little more important than you on the show. Uh, and it's just whether you're an undercard battler and you think you're the shit and then you go up against someone and they bury you or you're, you know, involved in the show in some capacity and, you know, just it's a very humbling show, which is what I think has drawn me to it. Like, you know, if you think you're the funniest guy in the room and then, you know, you see Jeff Ross and Dave Chappelle in the room, you're like, I'm not the funniest guy in the room. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I thought that, but like, you know, if you think you're a great battler and you go up against Jay Light, you go up against Keith, you know, Connor, whoever, Pat. I mean, there's so many great battlers. I mean, Omid, Doug Fager. I mean, you know, like you, you can get no one's immune to getting slammed. Yeah. There, you know, and put in your place. It is a uh, it's a ring of fire and you got to be able you got to be able to take the heat. Yeah. And if you don't, you're out. So. Jay, this has been amazing. Uh, Earl, thanks for having me, man. Dude, you are a good guy. And what I love about this podcast is I only have people I want to talk to on it. There hasn't been one person I've had where I'm like, I don't want to talk to this person. Because uh, you had me on your podcast with Leah. Yep. Where, and where, this is the part where we've just plugged, plugged, plugging plug. it away. Uh, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Twitter is at Diet J, D I E T J A Y. Same with my Instagram. Uh, Facebook and website are both jlightcomedy.com. Uh, got a podcast called You Should Have Planned Better. 
uh, that I do with uh, my girlfriend, the lovely Leah Lamar. And tell us the premise of that. Uh, like you have people on and... Mm-hmm. So we have people on and it's a relationship-based podcast. We talk about what they do and, and what their relationship status is, get some advice from them. Uh, as a couple that's in a, in a pretty young relationship, we've been dating for at this point like eight months. And uh, we we then give relationship advice to people who need it from the internet. Uh, and, uh, it's a ton of fun. It's a great pot. It's a fun podcast. We've, we've uh, been doing that basically since we started dating almost, we dated for two months and we we're like, let's do a podcast together, which is not, it's a daunting prospect, uh, because we could break up, uh, and the podcast would have its final episode and it would be very listenable, but I don't even want to worry about that. Well, roaster. And then two weeks later, you're out. That, that'll, that'll be the signifier, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so we've got that podcast. You can, uh, again, you should have planned better. You can subscribe in iTunes or on SoundCloud also. Um, and yeah, and then you can, if you want to see me live, uh, I am at the comedy store every Monday for potluck every Tuesday for roast battle. And, uh, I've got uh, other show dates listed on my website and I got, I do the whole month of shows that I'm doing at the very beginning of the month. So if you want to see, you know, I've got a few more shows this September, uh, October, I'll be going down to La Jolla for the comedy store down there. Uh, with Tom Rhodes, uh, like the 14th and the 15th. But yeah, just check my website and you can see all uh, all what I got going on. Tom Rhodes is the best. I'm so when I heard that I was going to be with him, I was so excited. The la- I've had great experiences in La Jolla before. The first time I ever went down there, I went with Theo Vaughn, and that was just a joy to work with him. The best. He is a real, real gem of a human, and I'm glad that I got to be on the same right. bill as him. Uh, I mean, Theo Vaughn, just uh, check out his Netflix special. I don't remember what it was called, but it was... No offense. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, JSJ. Uh, Theo Vaughn's Netflix special is really, really super funny. Um, I'm trying to think what other... I like to plug other people's projects more than my own. Uh, oh, if got, you want to watch more things that I, I did, uh, me, and, me and Leah were on an episode of Not Safe with Nikki Glazer. Yeah, so fun. can people go... I, well, this goes in line with my next plug. Uh, go on cc.com, comedycentral.com. You could see Jaylight on Road to Roast Battle. I yep. know they've got the full episodes, I Full think. episodes still up there. And, and you, then you like can go for a while. see the Nikki Glazer. Uh, is it a particular episode number? Uh, I It is. I don't, honestly, I don't remember what the episode is, but I remember our clip is called Relationship Prenup. You can find that clip still. Um, I know the episode, I believe the episode had like Moshe Kasher as a guest. I probably should have figured that out before I plugged it, but I mean, you can find it. I think if you just put up Jay Light and Comedy Central's search bar, uh, like you can't, my name, everything you've done is on, you know, I hope so. Uh, and then, uh, so that's it. Jay Light, become a fan of his, you know, he's a good dude, great comic. So usually most people aren't one of the two, let alone both. Uh, this is an uh, inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes. And by the way, it's September 16th. September 17th is my birthday. Uh, I know most of you are probably too cheap to get me anything. Uh, shout out to Lenny Shelton, uh, who was a former guest of inappropriate Earl. Lenny Shelton, uh, I think he's at Lenny Shelton on Twitter, sent me a Rick Rude Ultimate Warrior t-shirt yesterday. I don't know if he wanted me to announce to the world he did that, but that's a good dude. Uh, so instead of uh, presents, uh, uh, why don't you leave a review on iTunes? That's not much to ask for. It's Just, a much better gift in the long run. It really is. Uh, I mean, I don't do this podcast for the money or for the fame. Believe me, I would have quit after three episodes. Uh, but just leave a fucking review for me on iTunes. Just do something for me for once. Yeah, give Earl his due, guys. God damn you give guys. Give him some fucking credit. This, I mean, Jay Light and I, 
Just spoke for an hour and 35 minutes. This will be out Monday, September 19th. Support him. Support me. Not financially, but just do something. The more reviews I get, the better guests I can get. You know, you want Gene Simmons on the podcast? He's not going to go on a podcast that has 12 reviews on iTunes. So make it happen. Jay Light's the man. Inappropriate Earl. SoundCloud iTunes. And we'll see you later.